0: excited to get to continue this journey that we've been on um, in a conversation called Our Heritage. And so over the last several weeks, We've been looking at different values that we really believe that God has sort of embodied as He relates to us and the way that He relates to us in relationship. He's inviting us to relate to other people also in this rich, rich way. Um, whether you're joining us online or from our Bettendorf campus, the men at Kiwanee at our Rock Island campus, I'm grateful that you've continued to be a part of this conversation. If you've missed any of the our heritage series i just want to invite you to go to heritageqc.com and click watch the on the media tab and connect in so you're caught up one of the things that i've loved about the way that we're having the conversation is one week we're looking at a set of values and then the next week we're trying to be really practical about how do we practice this value how do we embody this what does this actually look like for us as our heritage but also for us as individuals in our 24-7-365 and so as we've looked at the values i just want to remind us of the journey that we've been on and really it all starts with love Because we know what love is because Christ died for us. So it all starts with authentic love. And then our response to how greatly we are loved is intense spirituality. It is to pursue God and the things of God because we're crazy about God, because we love him, because how could we not? because of the love that he has lavished on us. Out of that, we talked about radical generosity and faithful risk, understanding that Jesus risked it all. He left heaven to come to earth as a baby, to walk the earth, to die on a cross because of love. And so his radical generosity and faithful risk allows us to live in a space of hope. And so last week, we had the great joy to get to celebrate again some of our hopeful partnerships. And I've loved each week that we've been able to celebrate one of our heritage stories, a story rooted in hope and connection that isn't just about doing something or about an event. It's about journeying with and being with and being present to over the long haul, an intentional relationship. And then we spent quite a bit of time really rooting ourselves in passionate mission and what is it that God has called us to. The evidences of hopeful partnership and passionate mission, I just wanna refresh your memory again, just so we're tracking for our conversation today, because today is a practice week where we're gonna talk about what does it look like? How are we really embodying this in the life of our church? The first one that we talked about was calling out the Imago Dei in people, the image of God in people, understanding that all of humanity has that imprint of the Godhead inside of them. Just a lot of people don't know it, and they're actually trying to make sense of that. That's that God-sized hole inside of them that they're trying to fill up with stuff, and we have the great honor and privilege as Christ followers to call that out in people. We talked about the importance of experiencing the power and fullness of doing life together, that we're more together than we are apart and our commitment to empower, enrich, and elevate others. And the way we really try to stay mindful of this is that we ask ourselves the question all the time, who's the hero of the story? Understanding that in our own stories, Jesus is the hero of our story, And then we wanna help people understand that Jesus can be the hero of their story also. And so we try to get out of the way and and make sure that there's nothing standing in the way of people connecting to Jesus. And then when we partner with and when we connect to, we really wanna elevate the voices of the people that we're partnering with and make them the heroes of the story as well. The evidence is a passionate mission the the first one and we spent a lot of time on this is the need to build bridges in intentional relationship and and when you look at the hopeful partnerships that heritage is connected to These are not relationships of happenstance or just, oh, I'm not really sure how that happened. We really believe that Holy Spirit has gone ahead of us in each one of our partnership connections and that there is a synergistic kingdom thing that is happening as we partner in intentional relationships. And my friends, that is the invitation that we all have to build relationships of purpose, of kingdom purpose. We're committed to seeing all people walk in true freedom, and we strive to fatil- facilitate justice and reconciliation. And we looked at Romans 5 as we unpacked what reconciliation looks like, understanding that, that God's purpose is to reconcile all of humanity to himself, and that as people experience right relationship and are, and are reconciled in their relationship with God, they begin to heal and begin to have right relationship and be reconciled in their own hearts in their own journeys and then as they experience healing they're able to then facilitate reconciliation outside of them and their relationships a circle out and then as people communities begin to experience reconciliation well now we start to get to justice where we go upstream and we're able to look at some of the broken systems that have actually created brokenness in people my friends this is the beautiful journey that we are invited to be a part of your first fill fill-in, if you're following along in your note guide is this and i encourage you to look at your note guide there's a lot of helpful information in there for you but here's the uh here's the crux of what we're going to talk about today and we kind of ended last week in this space My brothers and sisters, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're invited to get to be a part of it. And we talked about how that really just doesn't make any sense. And God doesn't actually need us to reconcile people, but he chooses to use us to be a vital part of the work of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11, is is where we're going to land in Scripture today. And so I invite you to turn in your Bible or the Scriptures there in your note guide. And this passage is all about the ministry of reconciliation. This is what Paul says. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. This is our passionate mission We are committed to trying to persuade others to be in relationship with Jesus because it's the best thing that can happen to anyone in this world. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. And I just love this verse, and I would—this I, is what I would just love for people to say about us as a church. If we are out of our mind, if we are crazy, as some say, it's for God. But if we're in our right mind, it's for you. Let it be said of us that we're crazy. We're crazy for God. There are way worse things people could say about us. What, how awesome would that be? Why? Why? why do we do all of this? It comes back to love. For Christ's love compels us. This, my friends, is the why behind our what? This is the why behind our passionate mission. We can't help it because we've been so greatly loved. Christ's love compels us. And here's the good news. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come the old has gone the new is here this is so hopeful and I love this this beautiful reminder that there is nothing that you can do there's nothing in your past that can keep you from becoming a new creation in Jesus not because of us Be reconciled to God. God made him, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This, my friends, one of the most hopeful, life-giving passages of Scripture that spells it all out for us. All of these values, the faithful risk, the radical generosity, the authentic love, all of it in this arc of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You know, one of our, one of our partnerships is with a school a school called Thurgood Marshall over in Rock Island. And this is a space where reconciliation is being cultivated on a daily basis. Many of the students that come there are in really difficult situations. And Thurgood Marshall and the faithful staff there provide an oasis where healing and flourishing can begin to take root. Heritage has had the privilege of partnering with the restorative work that is happening at Thurgood by providing encouragement and support and food and basic hygiene items. And ultimately, we just keep fanning that flame of hope that is already present at Thurgood but just needs a little bit of encouragement to keep burning brightly. I am so excited to get to share a bit more of this story with you and introduce to you their amazing leader, their principal, Phil Ambrose, so let's watch this heritage story together.
1: mission at the Marshall Learning Center is working with at-risk students you know students who have behavior issues social-emotional concerns and some with some mental health challenges so our role is to be able to determine what's best for them and in a lot of cases you know academics is secondary to us working uh, on the social-emotional spectrum with them and so you know it makes us a little bit different as a school because, you know, we supplement the academic equally with the social emotional, Um, and so we often refer back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and for a young person to grow, for a young person to to develop, um, certain needs must be met first. we see that every day in our building.
2: We just take the time and try to get the chance to know the kids and learn and know their learning styles. So, um, as you stated, I did grow up in this area. I was raised in a single-parent household with um, eight kids. My mom raised six boys and two girls by herself. So, I never let that define who I am and who I wanted to be. So, I use my story and my history to encourage the kids here to let them know that just because you had a rough patch in your life, don't allow that to dictate what your future could be
3: yeah that's awesome so what what's
0: one of like a story that you have heard from one of your kids
2: um well they act to say miss robinson you don't know what it feels like to not have lights on or to go without a meal and when i explain to them you're looking at what i am now and don't know my story of then so once I tell them you know, my upbringing and that, yes, I have been without lights, and yes, I have seen my mom struggle, and yes, I have been without a meal, they accept me more because I am them. Um, our relationship with the church has um, been a most—I mean, I don't even know where to begin because it's, it's been so— Powerful yet impactful with um, the students that are in our building. You have the Marshall Market. The Marshall Market is that safe haven of some of these students that cannot or do not have the resources to have food. And we have a lot of students in our building that sometimes are taking care of themselves. So the relationship that we have with Heritage is one of the best relationships, and Heritage plays a very big role Uh, part in the success of our students in this building. They have um, allowed our children to have that sense of belonging. They, They belong to something. Yes, I know you got to come to school to get your education, but to feel like you belong to a family em- environment in your school, that within itself speaks value. So the kids not only come to school and get their education, they're coming to school and right in-house we have all these available resources from Marshall Market, we have uh, Marshall Closet, we have the personal items, coats, hats, you know, um, uh, different people that they can talk to throughout our building. So it's- It's it's a very powerful impact that Heritage Church has became, basically took us under their wing and we try to lead in the best way that we can.
1: Respect has been our school's foundation piece the past 12 school years and it really drives so many of the things we do in our programming and in relationship to our students and to their families.
0: This journey with Thurgood Marshall that we've been on has been, it's just been really beautiful. And I wanna thank so many of you who have poured into that relationship, whether you've taken a giving tree tag off of the tree each year and, and helped with a holiday meal for a family or the meal that we do around Christmas for the teachers and the staff there, um, or given to our mission fund or showed up to serve in the Marshall Market or given hygiene items for the Marshall Closet. Um, sometimes we do something, we're a part of something, but we're, we don't understand the context and the width and breadth of what God is actually doing. And so I just wanna thank you for your part in making that partnership possible. I don't know if you noticed in the video, there was a sign uh, that said Heritage Hall, and it's it's a wood sign. And um, the school has actually named one of their resource rooms after the church, and they made this sign in-house. And in that room, front and center, is this really ginormous table that we had at Bridgepoint And when Thurgood came through the former Coney building and picked out some furniture, they picked out this table. And so it's a place where their staff gathers, where they work together. And it's just a beautiful, I, I, I think, visual of how much we've actually been blessed by the partnership and the relationship at Thurgood. And so I hope that you can just... Feel the hope that's oozing out of that story, um, and celebrate that, that we get to be a part of that um, because it's the, the glory's not to us; the glory's to the, our Father. Um, yeah. Amen. So I'm also super excited. This is just like a banner day for me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have Dr. Kit here Yay, with Pastor us.
3: Beth, a pleasure.
0: She's the founder and director of Argro's House, and there's more information about her And Argo's house in your note guide. Um, But we're just going to kind of chat back and forth. And you all all get to listen in. Um, And I'm just just really excited about what Kit's going to share with us and then what God's going to continue to do out of that. So thank you for being here. Oh, my
3: pleasure. Thank you for having us. We're
0: delighted. So Dr. Kit, could you just talk to us about what led you to start Argo's house? Yeah.
3: Absolutely. So, um, before I start, I just wanted to say what a beautiful partnership you all have with Third Group Marshall and so many in the community. Um, I know with Argroves House, um, a few, just a few weeks ago, the Wednesday Women's Bible Study Group, they came. Are you all in here, ladies? You're <laughs> some of them Oh, here my here, goodness. Think, yeah. You all came and volunteered. There were about 20 to 25 women, and the house was full of so much joy. You all literally put labels on soaps, um, put candy in bags for children for Halloween, for our Halloween or harvest celebration, um, and even put together shelving in the basement. <laughs> so thank you so much for, for sharing that um, authentic love and generosity, we really appreciate you. Um, and just really grateful for the partnership, even with Argos House, that you all have. Um, but Argos House, uh, we started a little over a year and a half ago, um, based in Davenport, Iowa. Um, we are literally a healing house for women. We provide everything from domestic violence support group, therapeutic horseback riding, art therapy, um, and more for women and children healing from violence. We have a Bible study focused on healing from hurt. Um, and so we have the holistic services, um, but we also knew that it was important to empower women financially mm-hmm. when they're fleeing an abusive situation. So. I'm actually a theology teacher and a chaplain. I teach theology at St. Ambrose, but at night I started going to soap making classes and bath bomb making classes and <laughs> lotion making classes and got a mentor from the Caribbean where I used to live. Um, and I created a bath and body product company. Um, we call it because I am Christian and because all of the prophets go to support, Um, the women that we serve. It's called a social enterprise, a Christian social enterprise. Um, So we have a bath and body product company. We're in 20 retail locations and have an online store, and our products are for sale um, after service as well. Um, So please do check them out. They're great Christmas gifts. Um, But how did all of this start? You know, a lot of people think that, okay, we started a year and a half ago, um, have, have grown in great strides because of the community support. So Thank you, Heritage, for being part of our village and our community. Um, But it started really years ago when I was a, a young person. Um, I grew up. I'm from a small town in North Carolina called Mebane. Um, now we have an outlet mall. For growing up, with, literally. <laughs> and you can hear you can hear the North Carolina. It comes out that y'all. Oh yeah. yeah, And in North Carolina, anyone from North Carolina, you you put an F instead of a TH for your for your <laughs> Norths But um, yeah, it's, it's so funny. But uh, from a small town um, in North Carolina, growing up. I saw a lot of abuse in my family. Um, My grandma Argro, who Argro's house is actually named after, was in a very abusive marriage. Um, I remember some positive things about my grandfather, but I also remember when he would drink alcohol, he became very violent. Um, And so growing up, I would see the scars on my grandmother's neck, her arms, her body. Um, Couldn't do anything as an adult. Now, I mean, as a, as a young person, as an adult, I can do something to help mm-hmm. other women in similar situations. Thanks be to God. Um, I know that if there was a place like Argros house for my grandmother during that time, and she had seven children, wow. you know, um, I know if there was a place for her and her children, like Argrove's house, she may not have been in that situation all of her life. Mm-hmm. And she married when she was 14 years old. Wow. Um, so that was, a, and he was 27. So that was a, a very huge, pretty much most of her life. Um, you know, continue to move forward at a young age. You know, I saw the kind of reality of violence where, um, when violence is a part of a a family system right unless you really fight to break that cycle god intervenes you find resources that can help you in that healing the cycle will continue within that family that cycle of violence so i saw abuse with my sister and her relationship seeing her literally face swollen not being able to recognize her um, saw my brother take on certain abusive qualities. And so at the age of 14, I said, okay, there has to be another way, mm-hmm. right? So, I, so education became an outlet for me. I joined an organization called Students Against Violence Everywhere, became their spokesperson as a young person, um, and went off to college. Um, went to UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina, um, joined a program called Teach for America, became a teacher in Washington, DC. And I said, I wanna do more. I know that there's still these realities of social justice and and injustice in the world. Um, And so I wanted to do more, started working with survivors of sex trafficking, um, and I still wanted to do more, so I joined the Peace Corps. Of course. Yeah, that's of course. That's what, young, that's what we you do, do <laughs> you know, as, as, as young Americans. If we want to change the world, we join the Peace Corps. So that's what I did. So I packed my bag, got my sneakers and my <laughs> T-shirt, and I joined the Peace Corps. Um, so, they placed me on a small island called St. Kitts and Nevis um, in the Eastern Caribbean. Beautiful island, but behind all of the beauty and the cruise ships, there was a lot of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, so started working with teen moms, um, HIV and AIDS support groups, even started working with women, getting them, helping them get involved in politics. So it was, oh, it was such a, it started to become my, my second home. Um, developed such beautiful relationships that still to this day, you know, still, Um, connect with those relationships and I take a group of people from my church every two years to serve as missionaries there. Um, And so, you know, was there for about a year Um, and I had, even, even at that time I was accepting my call to ministry. Didn't know exactly what that meant for me at the time but I started teaching young people in the churches on the island Bible study and other things. Around that same time um didn't realize that someone had been following me. Um, A man had been watching me. So I would see this person when I would jog up the hill. There used to be a mountain I would jog up, and there was always monkeys there. So it was just a really nice place to exercise. (laughs) Um, And then I remember, you know, I would, would go out and serve in the community, so I would come home on the bus late at night. I remember seeing this person a few times when I was alone, but never thought twice. I was very young, free-spirited, you know, just openly served, so I never thought that anything bad could happen Mm -hmm. to me. Um, I was doing good in the world. You know, I teach theology, but that that question of theodicy always comes up. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. Sometimes they just happen, and how do we... Um, fight through it, move forward, get to the other side of it with loved ones, with resources, with Christ, um, and what do we eventually do with that? Mm -hmm. Um, So one night, um, while I was in the Peace Corps, a man broke into my apartment, this man who had been following me. um, He beat me, uh, had a big butcher knife, he cut me, attempted to rape me, robbed me. Um, Thanks be to God, my neighbors heard my screams, and Mm -hmm. I was able to get away thank you Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you God. Mm -hmm. Thank you God. So I was able to survive that nightmare um, and move forward. I was medically evacuated because in the midst of the struggle I literally broke a butcher knife in half. And so I had to, to leave the island for my safety but also to get medical treatment. Um, and you know, didn't realize. I thought once she, I had worked with women, and even women in my mm-hmm. family had seen the reality of violence in the aftermath, but I had never had to survive something so traumatic personally, mm-hmm. um, and experience post-traumatic stress disorder and other things. You know, this this guy—they caught him, and uh, they found out. We found out he was a serial rapist. So I went back to the island, testified. Me and another woman. Um, and he received 46 years in prison. So that was another you know, piece of trauma, facing mm-hmm. an abuser, someone who had assaulted me, um, actually tried to kill me in court, um, and just the trauma from that. Um, but after moving forward, I accepted my call to ministry, went to seminary in Berkeley, um, and just realized that part of my healing was figuring out what would help me and my suffering and my healing, but also what would help women. Right. And so everything that I did became focused on what is going to help me and other women. So I started to research. Um, I was doing a master's degree um, in social justice, did a master's degree in divinity, and did a doctor of ministry degree in Evanston um, at Garrett in Northwestern you know, and I realized that every woman is different. Mm -hmm. For some of us, it's one-on-one counseling. For some of us, it's domestic violence support groups. For some of us, it's it's pets and animals, Mm -hmm. maybe horses, maybe cats, maybe dogs. You know, for some of us, it's journaling. For some of us, it's reading our Bible and giving it to Christ and being able to reflect in a safe space in that journey, praise and worship. You know, for others, it's journaling and other things. So, with Argos House, I wanted to create a safe space where we could have these services for free. Mm-hmm. I was very privileged. Even though I was suffering, I was working. I was working for the government, so they made sure I had the resources I okay. need. To this day, they still pay for my counseling. When I testified, I had two bodyguards from the FBI there to protect me Mm -hmm. and a victim advocate from the FBI. Mm -hmm. And so that is not the majority of women or Mm -hmm. men's story who have to fight these issues. Mm -hmm. So I decided that part of my healing journey and part of my purpose and my ministry was to fight to make sure that these women and children have the resources mm-hmm. that they need on their journey.
0: Absolutely. And so, that's what
3: we do at Argo's house. So
0: one of the things I love and appreciate about you, Kit, is how how open you are to share your own personal that's part, story. That's part of it. I had to. And so I knew that you would do that and I you know, as as I prepared for this conversation, I came acro- across this quote by Jean Vanier, who was the founder of Arche, which was the community um, in the 1960s that he started for um, individuals who were severely mentally handicapped. And he became aware of how horrible their treatment was, and he went on to these communities started up all over the world. But he said this, he said, I'm struck by sharing How our weaknesses and our sharing our weaknesses and difficulties is so much more nourishing to others than sharing our qualities and successes. And I think often in our social media frenzy of everything is perfect and amazing and wonderful, we get away from the reality of the brokenness that we all encounter in life, that we all sit in. Um, and, and really it's only in surrendering that brokenness and holding our ashes out that, um, that God's able to then take those ashes and bring beauty out of them, which is so much a part of, um, it's your willingness to do that that has led to our house, which is now that space where women can come together and, and hold their ashes out Absolutely. before the father. And, I, and
3: that quote is, you know, really, really important and beautiful. I think that, you know, it takes, it's a very vulnerable place to be even for myself every time I speak and share it's a very vulnerable place Mm -hmm. to be but part of that healing you may not have to do it in front of hundreds of people (laughs) right Um, but that's part of what God has called me to do so that others can have permission to share Mm -hmm. because part of our healing is remembering what has happened to us but also mourning so that we can move to the other side of that. And healing is a journey, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I was thinking about what Beth, um, that quote from Beth, I looked up the scripture that kept coming to me. And it's a Corinthians text as well. Second okay. Corinthians twelve nine says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, there once you are able to move forward, Get to the other side of such darkness oh there can be so much joy mm-hmm. and all of the glory goes to God mm-hmm. and what a testament of hope of God's grace and love and power when we can fight and get to right. the other side of right. such hurt and brokenness um, and it's not easy no it's, it's not. hard it's work <laughs> y'all oh my goodness it's hard work but when you have safe spaces like Heritage Church to be able to move forward and you don't have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a what a good life and what a more healthy life it right, can be. Right,
0: right. Yeah. So I think it's important for us to sort of frame um, some of the statistics around sexual violence because Um, It is incredibly prevalent, and I think a lot of people don't realize it. Um, I think it's one of the things that a lot of women, because it disproportionately affects women, they carry, they think they're the only one, they have blame and shame and fear that they keep it inside. And so um, some of the statistics are that, that one in five women have been raped in their lifetime. These are U.S. statistics. This is not worldwide. It would be even larger, the number, but I just wanted us to have a context that that 20% of the women um, in America have been raped, and that one in three women have experienced some form of sexual violence. And so I want us to acknowledge as a church, and for those of you listening online, that that when you encounter women, there's a high likelihood that this is part of their story, much more so than it might actually enter into your mind. Um, And then the reality that 91% of rapes and sexual assault victims are women. Now this isn't exclusively Mm -hmm. a problem for women, but it is primarily and predominantly, it affects women. Um, And so we wanna just acknowledge in this space that if you're hearing this and you have been a victim of sexual assault or rape, we would love to connect with you and we're going to have some numbers at the end that you can that you can call and get help. But we don't want women to sit in that space of trauma um, and fear and shame alone in that. We want to be people who say freedom is possible and healing is mm-hmm. possible. Absolutely. Um, but I wonder if you could help kind of frame what does this statistic look like in the Quad Cities? Like who are the women that come to you? Because I think we think it's, pro- it's a very narrow spectrum of women and in reality you're seeing... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All types of women yeah. coming in, you
3: know. And I know, you know, we talk about sexual violence. We talk about um, sex trafficking, you know, and we also talk about domestic violence. Statistically, I know one statistic that I had uh, pulled up: one in four and one in seven men, one in four women, one in seven men, um, age eighteen and over in the U.S. have been the victim of severe physical violence by an intimate partner within their lifetime. So, domestic violence is also a, a reality. You know the thing about um, rape, incest, molestation, as well as domestic violence, is that there is no age discrimination, there is no income discrimination, Mm -hmm. right? So these realities are happening to people in impoverished impoverished areas, people below the poverty line, you know, but people also who are middle to upper class income as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it happens to men and also women. So you know, violence does not discriminate. You know, there's this reality, no excuse. You know, I think about my grandfather, right? Um, I always say, and I I know from the work that we do, even from the guy who assaulted me, hurting people hurt other people, right? right? So the guy who assaulted my my grandfather, he was suffering from something that made him drink all this alcohol to kind of mask certain things, Mm -hmm. took his frustration out on my grandmother. You know, the guy who assaulted me, he had lost his mom as a teenager, joined a gang, You know, connected to drugs and other things, you know, still no excuse, right? But but in the midst of all of that pain, regardless if you're in a household that has resources or not, people are hurting. You know, people need help. Mm -hmm. People need to find treatment, assistance, support. So that they can unmask that violent behavior, the source of that, and be able to move forward, but it happens to people all genders, all ages, all ethnicities. Um, it does not discriminate mm-hmm. you know but but if if there is a reality and you know someone who is being abused or someone who is abusing, right? We're going to put up a a few numbers at the end. Yes. Um, You know, and I'm here as well. Pastor Beth is here. There are other people who are around who are ministers who also have these resources. We are here. You are not alone. Mm -hmm. Please reach out and we'll, we'll work to find you the resources that you need
0: so we actually uh got connected through your husband dwight oh yeah um he reverend ford is the pastor at grace church and reverend ford and i have served on some community organization councils and things and our husbands are friends yeah and they meet regularly. like every couple months yes yeah. they do they stay connected but he and i were talking a few years ago and i i knew that our house was in the works and i knew that we had Um, a need for a place to refer women to. And so we've been able to refer women to Uggra's house from our church, um, from our work at Esperanza Center and the Legal Assistance Center, um, and one of the things that Argos House provides that I think is somewhat unique is this social enterprise that's really a key part of empowerment. And so, can you talk about empowerment and what that looks like in the healing and
3: recovery journey? Yeah. So a couple things. You know, we um, we create these beautiful. I always say that hands that were once beaten black and blue are used to create something beautiful in mm-hmm. a safe place that celebrates who they are you know you would think that we were cutting diamonds in the in the kitchen in our small kitchen you know because throughout the day you'll hear oh look at that gorgeous soap what a beautiful bath bomb absolutely oh that lotion is perfect right um you know but it does something on the inside for the woman that you know, has been told that she's nothing, that has been told that she's ugly, that she, you know, that she can do nothing related to bringing an income and supporting herself and, and other things. You know, we believe, you know, and Christ says that, God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, precious in God's sight. And we work to affirm that through our social enterprise, but, but also making sure those women are connected to the resources that they need, mind, body, and spirit. know, one thing that I have learned, though, about empowerment, and this has been a hard lesson for me um, over the last couple of years, You know there's a difference between enabling and there's a difference between enabling and empowering Mm -hmm. right I think sometimes in charity and charity is important right we have to do charity because God that's that's connected to the love that we have for people and for God Mm -hmm. giving sharing you know loving in that way but I realized that we were giving you know so if a woman needed this okay let's make sure that she has this here you go you know um, but it started to, the women started to become dependent on us to give them things instead of us journeying journeying with the women hand in hand mm-hmm. in solidarity. So giving them that number to call or um, assisting them in employment, them working to provide an income, and then helping them to apply for that full-time job with benefits, which now was helping them to sustain themselves and their family, right? Giving them that number of that lawyer to call and then sitting next to them in that empo- appointment, but still being there to advocate for them, mm-hmm. but they're still moving forward on the journey, right? So there's a difference between stepping five steps ahead of someone and giving them something and sitting next to them. Mm-hmm letting them know that they can do this, mm-hmm. here you go, this is how you do this, and I'm here to journey with you every step of the way while you do it. Right. So, you know, I've learned that sometimes the charity piece is important for us, but in order to empower this woman, mm-hmm. I'm journeying with her every step of the way for as long as it takes, even if it's a lifetime, mm-hmm. you can do this, and we're here with you to journey with you on the yeah. journey, right? Right.
0: Yeah, so in at Heritage, we've been talking about this, talking about the power of presence, being mm-hmm. with versus oh, yeah. doing for. Oh, yeah. um, and I promise I paid her no extra money to give you I a little it. commercial, infomercial, <laughs> about why that actually is so important. It boots so on the important. ground with people who who it's are in need, but actually one of their greatest needs is to be dignified with getting to be a part of their own
3: rescue oh, and their yeah. own healing journey. Oh, yeah, and it's beautiful it when, it, when it works. And... Um it takes a lot of patience, yes. But it's, it's hard work for them, also for us. But it it puts the responsibility Absolutely. on the survivor, which actually helps them to to spread their wings and fly like an
0: eagle mm-hmm. yes and yeah. we love to see that if you ever get the chance to go and serve at our girls house yes, it's, an, it's an awesome. opportunity that we're going to be offering um throughout um this next year and and going forward when you walk in first of all it smells wonderful but i think more than even the wonderful smells that are present in the home is this just like overwhelming sense of hope and joy that pervades every single room that's in all of the spaces. So I know that the work can be challenging. And so I wondered if you would share with us a way that we as Heritage Church can pray for you and yeah. the
3: work that you're doing. Yeah, well, you know, yesterday, I know we prayed about uh, capacity. You know, we were able to just about two weeks ago, we paid off our mortgage. Thanks be to yeah, God. That's a
0: big deal. That's a really <laughs> big
3: deal. So actually, Heritage, you all were one of our sponsors for our gala, so thank you um, for contributing. But 390 people donated to pay off our mortgage. Um, 18 organizations, including Heritage, so we were able to pay that off. Um, But you know, our goal is to grow our social enterprise. Uh, Right now, we're in 20 retail locations. In the next three years, we want to be in 100 retail locations so that we can continue to grow, employ women, serve women. But really today, what I want to pray for, there are a few women that we have been in communication with. Um, You know, on average, it takes us women seven times to actually leave a domestic violence situation. and they survive, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's several women that we have been communicating with that are going back and forth that, you know, are on the cusp of actually going back to those abusive relationships because that husband is offering, you know, saying, making promises and other things for the sixth time, you know, and, um, you know, uh, that abuse, that cycle, seems like it it is going to continue, and I'm really afraid for them. So I ask that we just pray for these women, um, that God covers them, that God strengthens them, that God surrounds them with love, that they know that that they are precious in God's Mm -hmm. sight, that they do not deserve Mm -hmm. that treatment, and that they can survive without this relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just ask for strength for those women. Um, so that they can enter a safe space for the rest of their life.
0: All right. Well, yeah. we can pray about that right now. So let's do that together, church. Father, Son, and Spirit, um, we are grateful for the community that you model for us and the community that you invite us into. Um, and 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 we thank you for the image of god that is implanted inside each one of us that says that we are valuable that we are that we are worthy that we are worthy of, of being treated with dignity and father i pray for these specific women that dr kit is thinking of even right now and i pray that you would Reach out. Your arm is not too short to reach out to them where they are right now. And I pray that you would draw them deep into your heart. That you would give them courage to leave the abusive situation that they just keep keep bouncing back into, I pray that truth would break through the cloud um, that weighs them down, that says that they're not worthy, that says that they deserve this, that they have to live this way. Whatever the lie is, Jesus, I pray by the power of Holy Spirit, you would break through that and that you would speak truth. And Father, I pray if there are any women who can hear my voice, even right now, who are in that same type of situation, I pray that you would just speak gently to their heart, that you love them, that they are valuable, that they are worthy of love and respect, and that there is hope. Oh God, how grateful we are that you are a God of hope, who says that that we're never too far gone, that there's no situation that you can't intervene in. And so we hold these women before you tenderly, and we ask that you would protect them, that you would keep them, that you would make your face to shine upon them, and that you would be their peace. May you bless Dr. Kitt, the work of her hands the beating of her heart, may you continue to give her wisdom and courage to lead strong in this conversation that we need to keep having in our community. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.